You are listening to Zen and the Art of Triathlon. Well, hey there, all you triathlon freaks and geeks, and welcome to another great episode of Zen and the Art of Triathlon, the podcast where we go long on endurance and learn a lot about ourselves along the way. We've got a great episode for you today. I just left the bike shop loading up on fuel and grip tape. And what else did I get? Where did it go? It's behind me. I'll grab it here in a second. And other stuff to get ready for a 100 mile bike race that is coming up and really excited about it training starting to pick up having to back off the running just a little bit keep up the swimming because that's good for your biking legs and just good overall endurance and um, I've uh, had a little bit of a, a cool revelation with uh, an add-on to my bike that might be something that you want to check out too. Let me see, what else did I get here? I got uh, grip tape. Oh, latex tubes. That was the other thing. So uh, before I get to that, let's see. The rest of the show, after we cover this first bit, we uh, talk about... I take you with me while I train and I go around town acting like an endurance idiot, doing all kinds of stuff. But I talk about the Garmin Vario. That's that... Uh, radar that goes on the back of your bike. I got one of those. Um, Wheat calves, AirPods, uh, running in traffic mode. Uh, For some reason, I talk about the Ford F-150, (laughs) enough to write down a note that I talked about it. And uh, TPU, and how they make running shoe soles out of that. Do Zen to help others, not just yourself. Uh, I describe some crazy bike intervals. It's a workout. Uh, that you can do although i heavily recommend not doing it because uh, the week starting immediately after i recorded that part um, i have had trouble uh, having uh, good workouts because i think it blew me out pretty bad so it's taken me a long time to um, recover from that and i'll talk about that in a minute uh, about what i did to undo that and uh, the secret to endurance is dot 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 uh, how to repair sewing, like if you need to stitch something uh, uh, with uh, dental floss, I do that. Um, how to record your weight properly for weight loss. Uh, and also you need a reason to lose weight. You can try all you want, but you actually need a reason. And also uh, epic mountain biking and camping at Colorado Bend State Park. We had a great time, so I talk a lot about that. And the Zen flow of a perfectly challenging mountain bike course. How about that? All that cool stuff. That's all coming up here in a second. Uh, the add-on that I put on my bike that seems to have completely healed my calf. Because <laughs> I guess I was rolling my foot out and then clenching my calf to keep it rolled in or something. I don't know what I was doing. But you can buy these things called pedal extenders. I was watching a show and they were going over a pro... Um, a pro bike, maybe the Tour Down Under, and they noted that he had a pedal extender. So there are these things that, I think mine are uh, half a centimeter, I think. And um, you screw them into your pedals, and then it basically lengthens the axle of your pedal so your feet stick out just a little bit further. And boom, 
my biking on my tri bike uh, just started to feel way, way better. And you know, um, it's not consistent across all your bikes. You have a different uh, width between paddles. And I noticed on my mountain bike, I don't seem to have problems with my mountain bike making my leg hurt. And the, um, the pedals are pretty far apart. Plus I ride with flat pedals. So I get my foot way out there and I can turn my uh, foot out. And actually I noticed it kind of while running too, that um, I needed to um, point my toes out a little bit more. And I just don't have the clearance to do that unless I had some pedal extenders. They're really inexpensive. I bought ones that are, I think they're stainless steel so they won't uh, rust too much when they get sweat all over them and um, i'm really really enjoying them so uh, you can check that out and uh, latex tubes if you're really serious about being fast and it really matters to you then one of the cheapest upgrades is latex tubes so your inner tubes on your road bike uh, someday we're all going to be probably on uh, tubeless and this won't be such a big deal but um, regular inner tubes, black inner tubes that you're so used to are made out of butyl and they're kind of stiff in a weird way. You don't really think so, but they are. And you can tell when you compare them versus latex tubes. Uh, latex tubes are real supple and they're kind of like condoms. <laughs> and uh, they are soft and they give really easily. And um, so when you're rolling along, the inner tube inside your tire doesn't fight back against going forward it if it's latex it uh, rolls over things a lot more easily and i think it's something like 10 watts per tube per wheel so you can end up with like 20 watts worth of uh, speed gain which is a lot that could be close to a mile, half a mile per hour or something like that and uh, you can kind of feel it whenever you're riding along that the road just feels a little bit more supple and the downside is two uh, a, they're really expensive. They're $20 per tube. And B, they um, they leak air. Latex doesn't hold air as well as butyl does. So every ride, you need to pump them back up uh, to the right pressure. They lose like 20, 30 PSI, maybe 20 overnight. Enough where it's not good. And uh, the another upside, though, is they're a little bit more flat resistant than... Uh, regular tubes because they do give it's a little bit harder to poke them hard enough because they don't fight back uh, to poke them hard enough to um, cause them to puncture so a lot of people say you know they're they haven't had a flat since they put them in I wouldn't believe in that I've had plenty of flats with them but they are um, uh, better huh anyway there's all that okay and then also uh, grip tape I needed new grip tape on my bike. I've got specialized S-Wrap. And the guy let me feel it on a bike. He was putting it on. And oh my God, this stuff is really good. Uh, when we do triathlon in the heat down here in Texas, it's so hot that everything just gets coated in sweat. And if you put your hands on the grip tape, and if there's any chance at all that it's going to get slick or slip off, you got problems. And this S-Wrap is really great. Uh, I like it a lot. Specialized, got that at Bike Barn, and then um, I'm trying out something with uh, my stomach gets upset and gassy and painful uh, working out, and I'm experimenting with uh, no fructose if at all possible. So I've got some uh, Heed, which is maltodextrin pretty much, 
and then um, hammer gel, which doesn't have um, extra fructose. It's got fructose. Well, it's got grape syrup or grape juice, but no added fructose. The, the really bad stuff would be um, high fructose corn syrup, right? So it's fructose on top of fructose and fructose on top of sucrose. And I think I've had plenty of uh, success with, uh, with hammer gel. Uh, but yeah, so some people have, um, are sensitive to different types of sugars and fructose uh, can make some people's stomach upset. So I'm gonna work on experimenting without using fructose. Cool. Oh, and then the last thing I want to mention before we get into the training log and the rest of the show is um, I was doing really hard intervals and I talk about them uh, later in the show. I guess I got bored and I was trying something different, but then uh, starting to look back, like afterwards, I started to have a lot of trouble working out where I just, no energy, and I think I did too much. And uh, that interval workout, I'll... um, save you know to when it shows up at the end of the show but you know it's 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 intense hard intervals and most people should be able to do them just fine but it reminded me to mention that um, along with uh, the secret to endurance is long slow intervals are the key so five minutes 10 minutes 20 minutes of low rpm lower RPM, it doesn't have to be super low, but low enough where you, but you're just trudging along, but you don't really need to try all that hard. You just need to be patient. So it's, it's a hill climb that's so long that you have to give up from the beginning, just give up. And you're going to be putting out higher torque the whole way up that hill anyway. And there's no rush. So you are accelerating the amount of work and wear and tear on your muscles. So you are doing it. It's like doing an interval. But the thing is, is that it's a slower cadence. And what happens with a lower cadence is you're not working your aerobic system so much. You're working on the muscle instead and tearing it down to build it back up and it's that slow twitch muscle that makes you a good endurance athlete instead of fast twitch. So that's one thing. And then I heard something recently. Oh yeah. There's a really good podcast. I want people to check out if they haven't already, haven't already trainer road makes a fantastic podcast about uh, different training, this, that, and the other. And I was listening to an episode and they said something really interesting that Um, low speed intervals uh, like so heavy body movements are uh, they generate way more testosterone I don't know let's say it's like uh, four times five times as much testosterone as the um, as high speed intervals and that testosterone helps you build muscle makes you stronger and uh, a really good trick to getting this done is um, if you don't have any hills near you. So I live in Rolling Prairie. The longest hill here is uh, two minutes, (laughs) 
three minutes. That's it. It's not enough. Uh, is a trainer, a bike trainer or a treadmill. Point it. If you're on a treadmill, it's like six, seven, eight percent grade. And maybe be careful the first time, but um, first few times, you don't want to blow anything out. But um, this is if you're training for running something. Uh, build on the time, you know, a few minutes here and there. And then on Zwift is there's mountains in Zwift. There's Alpe d'Huez in Zwift, which is like an hour long hill, mountain, duh, it's not a hill. And they have uh, another mountain with a ski resort kind of thing at the top of it they have a volcano that's uh, a long climb and you just what I've learned to do is when I first start riding is point the uh, turn the resistance on the trainer to about nothing so you're just pedaling around warming up it doesn't really take much you don't even notice any hills whatsoever until you get nice and warmed up and then this is on Watopia and then at some point while uh, biking around Watopia, you'll be like, okay, I'm ready to start doing some of these intervals. You need to wait until you're ready to do this, right? And not when some plan is telling you to do it, not when uh, the course that Watopia has laid out in front of you is ready for you to do it. You need to pedal and ride around until you're all nice and warmed up, however long that takes. And then you're starting to get bored. So then what you do is pedal your ass on over to a big slope. So epic calm. Uh, there's a whole bunch of them around there. Anyway, uh, Alptuez. And then then you go and hit the menu button and then change your uh, resistance. This is if you have a smart trainer. Uh, change your resistance on the trainer to be like 50% up it to being actual add some resistance. So it's more it's more realistic. Or if you've got a dumb trainer than a regular trainer then just you know now now start adding on the gearing and stuff like that and then point that bike uphill and then climb at like 70 rpm and don't rush it just and do it in the arrow position by the way you alternate you know do some sitting up and whatever but get down in the arrow position and just trudge along and then tell yourself you get to the top whenever you get to the top that's not the point of getting to the top faster or people blowing by you Stuff like that. In fact, the more people blow by you, the better, because you're training yourself to let people go by um, and let them let them pop and then fail. You are going to take uh, two, three, four, five, ten, twenty minutes to climb to the top of this thing, and that's fine. And man, you uh, once you learn how to settle into a groove, you start learning the pacing for. Uh, big climbs that end up building tons of muscle uh, and the right muscle because you're doing it on the bike and again like 70 rpm something like that um, just nice you can learn how to do it and then once you do it once it is so addictive it's just fantastic and then you're learning to be smooth and pedal nicely and yeah that is the uh, right kind of intervals to be doing for uh, long distance stuff not the crazy stuff I talk about towards the end unless you're doing crit racing you know and you got to do sprints <laughs> then the stuff I talk about at the end or in the middle of the uh, the training log where I'm doing like uh, like a minute of hard and then switching positions in a minute of that and switching positions in a minute of that yeah that ended up being a little bit too much so watch out for that 
Okay, that is it. Let's go ahead and get started with the rest of the podcast. Here we go. You are entering the Zentrite training log zone. Hi, everybody. My name is Brett. I'm a trash. I decided it's time I got some friends more suited to my status. But Joe, we've been friends for years. Hey, we all make mistakes. Come on, dudes, let's go exercise. Exercise! I'm going to do sit-ups till I poop myself. Hello. Welcome to a new training log. Start date. January 29th. Just finished an hour run outside. 47 degrees. Nice and cool. Borderline needing gloves. And let's get started with gear I'm using. The Oolite. Oh, what if I ask two O's? O-O-L-I-G-H-T. Anyway, uh, P-Run. Perun? Perun? P-E-R-U-N. It's completely waterproof. It's very tiny. It has a 90 degree angle on it and a clip. And it's rechargeable and like it's submersible under like a meter or two of water so the sweat won't ingress into it which basically stuff has to be waterproof for it to be good for outdoor running in the heat it's not hot today but it'll if i want to use this thing every time i use a running light after a while it gets water I sweat in it or water from running in the rain this one's completely waterproof it is fantastic. I clip it to my running belt and down low so it throws shadows so I can see if I'm tripping over anything. And I like it. And then also, I noticed uh, starting to run that I was getting uh, really tight calves at the first part of the run. First, uh, it was just taking like 30 minutes for it to go away and I was having to walk turns out I did a little bit of research and googling my calves were weak Um, basically I was pampering my calves so much running on flat ground the treadmill which I needed to do I'm not regretting this Uh, that my calves were getting weak because I wasn't doing any you know uphill I wasn't working my calves very much I guess my uh, upper leg was overpowering my lower leg and they were uh, reacting by swelling up and getting really tight. And the cure is to do calf raises to strengthen them. And all it took was just a few sets over a few days and bam, I was able to run with... uh, run with no without having to stop and walk to let my calves loosen up again it's really great so we've got that uh we've got the garmin uh varia rear radar coming in today and also i've got a camera system on the house today's going to be a tech episode oh i want to talk about insoles too <laughs> all right that's it i'm gonna go inside get ready for work be right back All right, I've gotten ready for work. Getting in the Zinchai Mobile Studios. Oh, I'm really late for work. <laughs> Let me turn off the uh, 
AirPods headphones. Oh, I've got something to talk about with that. So I've been running with the AirPods Pro that have noise canceling. And I have discovered a hidden feature. Not, not exactly. But a cool, a cool thing. Unintended feature. Undocumented feature. That's what we say in IT when, when uh, something's <laughs> screwed up. Say, oh, that's an undocumented feature. But this is actually pretty cool. Uh, running along, and if I don't want the noise of traffic, which is a you know like really annoying, I can turn on the noise cancellation, and it just softens the outside world really nicely. Blocks a lot of it out. So I can just be by myself. And the other thing is, that's dangerous. Because <laughs> I was telling friends. Like, I tried it and then kind of forgot about it uh, a couple weeks ago or whatever when I was running outside. And then the next thing I knew, I, I had a car up behind me. Like, I was running down the middle of a street. There was no sidewalks and it was a quiet street. But there was a car right behind me and I never heard it. And it happened twice. And I was like, oh my gosh. It was like waiting for me to move to get out of the road. It was being polite. And I thought, uh, this is a problem. Anyway, putting it in the audio pass-through mode where it actually um, enhances the sound around you uh, so that you can hear things around you works so well that you know I haven't listened to, listened to it with music like it's like the wall of sound music that some people like to do like say Led Zeppelin you know uh, as a, or Pink Floyd as an example just something monstrous but as far as like other sounds music and uh, talking and stuff I feel actually more secure with these in than I did with the uh, AirPods that had no the old AirPods that don't seal off your ears at all you know they're just the crappy hard uh, plastic casing that kind of fit in your ears sort of and a lot of people don't like them because there's not different sizes or anything well if there's a car coming up behind me, it actually puts that sound into my ears. That's really cool. Uh, the downside of AirPod Pros so far that I've found is that if you take them out and just leave them laying around, um, my opinion is, is that they burn through battery because they're doing sound deadening and audio pass through uh, even though they're not in your ears there's a setting on your phone where you can turn all that off you know but then you'd have to do that and if you're taking them out of your ears and setting them down well it's because uh, you don't have a lot of time you got better things to do with your life right now so you're not going to go then open up your phone and then turn that on anyway that's uh, how I'm enjoying the AirPods Pro I've been looking at uh, getting a new car. I love the size of the Nissan Xterra because it's easy to park. 
and get it around in parking lots and stuff. It's very much like a European size SUV. And, but it's got, you know, truck-like ride. It's got a ton of power and stuff. But uh, this might end up being Kai's car because it's approaching 100,000 miles. But it's got uh, anti-skid, you know, like a traction control kind of stuff. Stability control, at least. And it's cool. And it's tough and it's reliable. So it might end up being his. So uh, we're looking at getting me a new car. And been looking uh i'd really like to get i'm not i've had a full-size pickup before and i the only thing i don't like about them is, there's two things is gas guzzling and getting around parking lots and nissan xterra is kind of like a jeep it's like a four-door jeep and to move back to a full-size pickup is a lot of commitment even here in texas you know you still gotta get in and out parking lots crowded uh, but my search for pickups has been really interesting um the nissan titan has just been redone the it doesn't have any really like advanced tech that the other uh, vehicles don't have but the ford like it's got one engine it's a v8 and it's a big V8. Sounds awesome, but that's uh, that's not you know tech related at all. The Fords have uh, you can get the probably its best engine for the size vehicle is a 3.5 liter V6 with twin turbos, and uh, it's the same engine I think that's in the Ford Raptor, but then it's been. Um, geared down but that's kind of cool to say you got the same engine as ford raptor but it's uh, not all hyped up there's a school bus um and then the dodge ram has v6 and uh, they might have a v8 with this but they have a v6 that has um something called e-torque so it's got a small battery and an alternator uh motor well motor uh, and a belt hooked up to the drivetrain. I think it's hooked up to the engine somehow, not the uh, not the drive shaft, but that provides an extra like fifty to seventy to eighty or something like that pound feet, foot pounds of uh, torque uh, for off the line. So it's like that's really nice, man. And, uh, you know, it's got regen in it. So it's like a very, very mild hybrid, but right where it matters. Off the line, as we cyclists know. It's getting going. That's the hard part. Once you get up to speed, uh, you don't need it quite so much. Uh, the Ford has also aluminum alloy, a lot of body panel panels and truck bed. Uh, so it's lighter. So as far as tech goes, I guess the Ford is actually uh, really cool as the, the neatest stuff. Uh, and then naturally aspirated engines, you know, the ones that don't have turbos or torque or you know, batteries, they, have, they don't perform as well at high altitude. So if you're a uh, Colorado dweller, 
your zero to 60 times are going to be significantly less with an engine that doesn't have turbos. But turbos ram air into it and help out uh, with the power quite a, quite a bit. And it doesn't, it's not affected by altitude anywhere near as much. I just passed a cop who's uh, texting on his phone, <laughs> but not in a cop car. Uh, he's just in a cop uniform. And let's see, let's talk a little bit about, well, with the trucks, um, you know, getting mountain bikes in the back, bikes in the back, and then with a, with a crew cab kind of situation, then you got all kinds of room inside. And I struggle in smaller cars because I don't have enough elbow room. But anyway, the uh, Superfeet insoles. Okay, so I love Ultra 1.0 and 1.5 Escalantes. They have the uh, TPU sole and they have zero drop. So they're like really low to the ground, but very cushy. And they are amazing. The 2.0s, the latest model, aren't quite as soft and luxurious and but in the ones in the 1.5s you kind of slip or slide around it a little bit so in the 2.0s they stiff they shouldn't have stiffened up the soles they stiffened up the soles and stiffened up the uppers so that you don't like when you turn they say it feels like the shoes are turning but your body is is continuing straight because they're they have too much stretch and too loose up top and um in the uppers uh but they have, uh, you can tell if a shoe has arch support, for example, uh, one way is to fold the shoe over double, you know, like uh, bend it backwards, the toes up. And however easily it does that is going to show you how much uh, foot support it has in a way. It doesn't show like the arch, but it just shows just in general foot support. And these things like fold over almost like bedroom slippers. They're like pretty ridiculous. But that's part of what you really feel the ground. But And because the sole is TPU, it's um, very resilient and very, uh, it's just amazing. But so I came from a barefoot running background and I absolutely love these uh, because they're so, TPU allows them to be really cushy, but also very thin. And that allows you um, to be closer to the ground and then get lots of comfort, but also feel like you're kind of like you're running barefoot. And imagine those five fingers, those vibrant five fingers, but with uh, like a thicker, softer sole underneath. That's kind of what they're like. Well, in my search for uh, arch support stuff, I came across Superfeet. I think I asked somewhere and somebody told me, Superfeet, is a brand of uh, arch supports. You get them on Amazon. And I was recommended the orange ones. They come in different colors to symbolize different uh, levels of support, different types of sports and stuff like that. And the orange ones are really, they're for cycling, but they're really great for running too. And yesterday I ran in my ultras without them. And I felt like by the end of the run, my arches were kind of like, yeah, and that's been a lot of work keeping me stable. And then um, today I ran in them with the super feet 
and it was completely different like very much more stable and controlled and a better it's not as squishy and soft and all over the place but I, my arches never got tired by the end of an hour run so I'm suggesting that you check them out if you're looking for a good arch support insole check out Superfeet they are great and I've ended up buying two pair maybe three pair they're in my uh, bike shoes and in my running shoes <sighs> okay that's it I gotta go into W to the ERK be right back Hopefully my Garmin Vario rear radar will show up sometime today. I'll be able to check it out. All right, out. Okay, it's another beautiful morning leaving the pool. Not quite as cold as yesterday. I was listening to a Dharma Zen podcast. Hold on, I need to open up the car. <laughs> That's not what they talked about. That's not what it was called. Although that is kind of funny. Oh, and... There was a moment in there that was really good that I wanted to share with you. It's an old Zen master type lady giving a talk. And she said, we get into Zen Buddhism for self-improvement. But that's not really the end goal. Truly, there we go, there's my keys. The point isn't to just help yourself, but it's to help the world. So you don't be Zen necessarily all for yourself. It's kind of selfish and then actually it gets under the core of things. Quit thinking about yourself. But if you're, if you think before you act, then you kind of emit that pattern, that habit. People see that, and then they start doing it too. And then more and more people can transcend out of this world of unnecessary violence and war and excess and uh, pollution of the planet and stuff like that. It was really nice. It is the Upaya podcast, U-P-A-Y-A, and it was published on January 20th, if you want to listen to it, about towards the middle where she said that. All right, I got some triathlon training tips for you. One, I'm going camping this weekend, and I will forget to charge my watch before I go. So one way that you learn to do lots of stuff in triathlon is... To not forget your gear, put your gear in a place where uh, you can't avoid it, and then you'll remember it. So, you know, put your running shoes in front of your door if you don't want to forget your running shoes because you forgot them the last time you went to work and you wanted to run at lunch. You know, things like that. Put your keys by the door. You got to put it in your way. And uh, I need to charge my Garmin watch before we go. And one trick I do, sometimes, I don't always do it because I forget, is I put it on the wrong wrist. I'm uh, right-handed. I put it on my left. Usually I wear my Garmin on my left wrist. And 
this morning I put it on my right and that because I'm leaving like right after work I need to charge it while I'm at work I need to plug it in to a USB port and get it charged and I will remember the first time I sit down and I'm at my desk and then I look at my watch to see what time it is or whatever I'll be like why is my watch on the right wrist that's weird and I'll be like oh yeah because I was going to charge it <laughs> and then I'll charge it it's pretty cool uh, I did get the Garmin Varia in last night. I played around with it a little bit when I was getting on Zwift. And, of course, it's not useful in Zwift. But I was turning on my bike computer. I just wanted to make sure that my uh, bike computer would even recognize it. And it did. You pair it. And one of the types of things you can pair to your Garmin, I have a 520 regular, is uh, radar. That's what it says. And I paired it. And it said, found it. And, man, the light is right <coughs> so it looks like that's going to happen uh for fun i paired it to my garmin phoenix watch and it did that as well it showed little as kai came up as he ran at me in the kitchen that's how we did it, <laughs> it picked it beeped and it picked up a uh a uh, a dot on my uh on my watch on the right hand side on the edge and it's a circular watch it's kind of cool um which reminds me i may uh do it i may pair them both while pair it to both things it's ant so you can pair it to lots of things at the same time uh while bike riding outdoors uh because it beeped and i think it vibrated and that is handy because it, vi it shakes your wrist that's a really great way uh to wake up to an alarm clock is to get a watch that not just beeps but beeps and vibrates and it's like somebody shaking your wrist a little bit like hey wake up wake up okay another training tip studies show that if you train and go uh, anaerobic like breathing really really hard and you know huffing and puffing for air you're training your body to use high amounts of oxygen to get and, and glucose to get the job done and it's actually you're detraining your body's converting away it's not like it's not doing it it's like damaging apparently your body's ability to uh, create energy from fat and uh, less air whoa 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 You're not going around me, dude. I'm wiggling in the lane to signal to you to slow down. <laughs> Person behind me thought they were going to go around me. <clears throat> there we go. I think I got that thing on my throat. Okay, so, meanwhile, I'm going to start saying that instead of so. I think that's kind of fun. Meanwhile, uh, so I'm swimming along, and as I was doing an hour uh, nonstop, although I've changed that a little bit, every 10 to break it up so it's not as boring. Uh, and also because I haven't been doing nonstop for a while to kind of like ease into it. Stopping every 10 minutes, I swear for like five seconds about, and I don't even stop my watch. I hit the lap button so it records a lap so I can look at it later, what that 10 minutes was like, like what was my pace and stuff like that. Otherwise, it's all just lumped into one big thing. Um, and I can't analyze it later um, as well. 
as well as 10 six minute chunks and see like what chunk you know that I start fading at whatever I have my uh, green tea on ice with a little stevia in it to make it sweet without any calories oh and I was doing the uh, cornstarch again I did cornstarch last night and uh, liked it on my bike ride and uh, cornstarch this morning before I went to go swim about 100 calories of it and had a nice strong swim but as the swim is wearing on you know getting more tired arms are getting tired um, towards the very end pulling pretty hard I started on purpose pulling really hard but making my hands really big so they catch a lot of water making sure I'm making big scoops and really pulling hard slower slow turnover hard pulls not fast, not high RPM, very low RPM, kind of like being in a bike in a big gear, really big gear, and making sure that I was working the muscles hard, but not requiring a lot of air, you know, not like panting and dying for oxygen because I wasn't sprinting. It's more like I was towing an anchor behind me. And you could just feel like this deep burn going on in the muscles, but it didn't jack up my need for, for breathing a lot. So um, I knew that I was training the right system. And hey, there's a Kia Telluride. Ooh, that's a nice one. Uh, black with uh, silver trim. The, uh, the key to endurance is to train your slow twitch muscles to be incredibly strong and then never give out. Um, and that's kind of how you do it is you get your muscles kind of tired a little bit and then you stay at low cadence and then work them really, really hard. All right. <clears throat> for long periods of time. And you can do it because you're not dying for oxygen. You can, uh, you'll find that the next time you go bike, swim, run, a uh, good way to do it in swimming is hand paddles. Pull hard, low turnover rate, but uh, hard pull. The, uh, what I wanted to mention was, um, if you wanted to help support the show, if you like these coaching tips and uh, you think they're making you faster, uh, there is a great way to support Zen Yard Triathlon is go to zentriathlon.com and there's a PayPal link on the left-hand side and you can donate one time or set up a recurring donation through uh, PayPal. It's pretty cool. All right, that was my that was my commercial. It helps support the ship. Helps buy Garmin Varias and and uh, Phoenixes and whatever kinds of gear, uh, so that we can test it on the show and tell you if it works or not, and how to use it better. Okay, let's see. I'm going camping this weekend, and oh, I'm hiring a uh, a new employee that I've known forever. He's a runner, like a good runner, and been running a lot. And he's a dad, and he's got two little girls. And the crazy thing, the wild thing, is he's a lot like me. Uh, so I don't know. We're not sharing the same office. He's working in the office next to me. But can two people who are a lot alike, can two people who are uh, kind of loud and confident and athletic you know, like the uh, the city manager. What is uh, his name that plays? Uh, I think he's a city manager in Parks and Rec. The extremely good-looking guy. So we're not good-looking. 
<laughs> like that. I don't think anybody is. But uh, just, you know, forward-looking, progressive personalities. And, uh, and funny. We like being funny. So I don't know if the office can handle us, but I'm really looking forward to that. And I'm going camping um, this weekend with the Boy Scouts, taking the troop. It's just two adults and then like nine, ten boys. And uh, I'm going to try to mix in some uh, mountain biking and trail running at Colorado Bend State Park, which is supposedly epic for mountain biking. We're going to see if we can get this done. All right, I got to go inside. Be right back. Hey, Yos. I'm back. <laughs> I'm on my way to the bike shop, which is, I think it's a quarter of a mile from the which is awesome when they moved to this new location. I was so excited. And uh, to pick up the derailleur, derailleur hanger, maybe hangers, I don't know. But the one on my uh, mountain bike's a little bent, and they said they bent, bent it back, but they said it's going to go. So I, they had to order it. I guess because it's Obey them all. I thought they were kind of universal. But anyway, I'll go pick those up. And I wanted to mention that I got two more cool little things. I've had to stitch up a couple of things recently. A, uh, a mesh bag that has a non-mesh bottom. It's kind of solid. Uh, got a split in the bottom of it. And then also uh, my running belt, my Amplipod running belt, the Velcro started coming off of it. Velcro stitched to it and it started coming off. And looking for sewing kit, whatever. I had to sew the heck out of stuff this summer. My backpack was falling apart. We were backpacking across New Mexico at the Philmonts. But anyway, I uh, was looking for a, a strong thread. And it crossed my mind to try dental floss. And on top of that, I wanted to share this one. I used a dental floss that's a very special dental floss. When I use this dental floss, when I try to break off a piece of it, what I use, it stretches first before it breaks. It's more plasticky than it is fabricy, than it is clothy. And, and, uh, it's like really, really strong. And I uh, decided to try that instead. And it is amazing. So it's made by Listerine. It's kind of expensive. Uh, Listerine dental floss. It's kind of a clearish case. It says Listerine across the front. So it tastes a little bit like Listerine when you use like minty. And um, clearish, frosted clearish case with a uh, kind of white, with uh, I think the dental floss is kind of light green colored. And um, I stitched the bottom of this backpack and I didn't really pull on it all that much. I didn't want to, but then I stitched the, um, the, uh, Velcro back onto this hip running belt thing. And wow, man, that thing is really cool. And I'm glad I did use this stuff because the running belt is actually a stretch fabric. And so the, the, uh, dental floss stitching, uh, works with it. As well, and then it kind of looks cool. You know, both of these other things are black, and they have like this kind of light green stitching on it that I did by hand. 
looks kind of neat looks a little ghetto but it also looks kind of neat they also have the color so if you got to stitch something sew something up don't throw things out try to repair it first and stitch it all you need is a needle and a, and a thread or dental floss and then the other thing is um i've started losing weight recently uh we'll hope the trend continues but what i do is i weigh myself and then i have in ticktick.com which is my to-do list i have a um a repeating task every day to weigh myself and it says uh what it, like it says basically the uh weight and why so i put down what my weight is and then why i think my weight is that like did i lose weight did i gain weight uh but why you know i usually put in there oh I ate too much and, uh, dehydrated that'll make you lose weight and stuff but i've noticed there's been a downward trend and the only thing because I've tried so much different stuff. And the only thing that made me, that I can tell that made me lose weight was I had a reason. And so I wrote that in my notes. Uh, down, I was down like a couple pounds, three pounds over the past few days. And um, why? Because I, had a, because I had a reason. The reason is I've got a race coming up. I might. I'm going to do the Grand Fondo uh, 100. And then also, um, it's crossed my mind as I'm eating and stuff that to eat less because I want to be uh, lighter. Um, now that I'm feeling better with foot injury and stuff, I can run more. So I want to be lighter. And yeah, I actually have a reason. If you don't have a reason in today's society with all this food, you have no... Um, no reason to uh, eat less and because it's a choice all the time to eat less and that choice is tough so you need to have like a higher purpose of sorts uh, to make yourself choose that you gotta like think I don't you know, uh, you know why don't you shoot yourself in the foot with a gun right <laughs> well there's a reason it's because you uh it's gonna hurt really bad and it's like you can but you know the reason right it's gonna hurt really bad you get blood everywhere you might damage your foot forever uh you might get arrested and all kinds of stuff it's uh really dumb so that's your reason right um but when we eat and we just gain weight and stay overweight uh we don't really it's just happening it's just the way we're just accepting it as the way things are when um but when you have a purpose, like why, when you're about to eat, to eat less and you're making a choice, an apple instead of a, uh, that's what I've noticed is I've, I've uh, been eating a little bit more fruit, been eating stuff with a little bit lower calories. I've been choosing that. And I'm like, why, why? Cause that's what actually works. You know, I'm like, why? It's like, oh, because I want to get in better. That's the other one is I want to get in better shape. Um, you know, but the, the injuries pretty much gone. So now I can actually like lean into it and work on getting in better shape. Um, and to get in better shape, you gotta pay a little bit better attention to what you eat and cause it makes you feel good. And that's it. All right, I'm going into the bike shop. We're going on a trip, like I said, this weekend and I'm gonna take the uh, derailleur hanger with me and keep it in my saddlebag. There is uh, 
you know, videos online or packing lists. If you look, somebody's going to go for an epic bike ride, they're going to ride across America, you know, or something like that. They uh, pack extra derailleur hangers just in case. It's part of their kit. And uh, I don't have time to get my bike in to get it worked on today, so I'm just going to grab the derailleur hangers. I could probably put it on myself, but it's nice to have them put it on and then adjust all the shifting all at once. But the uh, uh, I'm going to grab the derailleur hangers and keep it in my saddlebag, and then if my shifting... If it finally breaks off, the bad one breaks off, then I'll have some spare ones in my saddlebag. How about that? All right, be right back. All right, are we back? Oh my gosh, I had the most awesome, awesome weekend. We went camping at Colorado Bend State Park. And this is in the most beautiful part of the Texas hill country. It's really rugged. It's very much like Southern California. And there's a river that uh, meanders through it. It's clear, uh, light green water. That's uh, limestone filtered. It's, uh, the hills are made out of limestone around there. And oh my gosh, this, this is the second camp out where we've taken the Boy Scouts uh, with mountain bikes. And they love it. They know nothing about how to take care of bikes, but they're, they're learning, uh, which this is kind of cool. I, uh, I'm teaching boys uh, how to maintain bikes and how to adjust things and fix things and what's probably going wrong. So there's all that. And, you know, somebody teaches them, then they'll teach their kids someday, and then that's more people on bikes. You know, it's a multiplying effect, hopefully. Uh... Yeah, and the mountain biking out there was uh, epic in a different way than what I expected. It was um, the the trail that goes along the river. Oh, it's the Colorado Colorado River, and there's a big bend in the river, and that's where the campsite is. So that's why it's called Colorado Bend, not because it's in Colorado. And there's two Colorado rivers, by the way, in t- in the United States. There's one that goes. Uh, Texas and the one that goes west from Colorado to uh, almost to California, sort of. And meanwhile, we are uh, biking around. So there's, I decided to take the easy trail first. It wasn't until 11 o'clock that we got breakfast all cooked and then everybody uh, going. A few boys that don't have bikes uh, wanted to hike, and that's very cool. The rest of them, you know, wanted to bike. And the uh, river trail was rated really easy. It's this wide-ish trail at times that is pretty level. It's actually very level, and then on rare occasion, there's like gullies and creek channels that come out of the cliff faces next to the river, and those will create a big dip. And I would almost classify these as, as mountains. It's kind of like what we were in. It's very much like the Ozarks, that kind of or the Smoky Mountains, kind of rugged like that, uh, as far as terrain goes. And let's see, um, this state park's been around a long time, and that trail was normal. And then I went uh, up this dirt road when the trail kind of ended after a few miles. I figured that was a good warm-up trail, do something nice and easy. And then I started going up uh, this gravel road, and... Uh, there was a turn 
off onto one of the trails. And on the trail map, um, they've got just a, just a couple very short sections of trail that are off limits for mountain biking and everything else is, uh, you can bike on, they said. Well, it turns out that these are the classic uh, hiking trails that uh, Texas Hill Country that are just rugged, ankle-twisting, brutal, sharp rock uh, pointing, uh, just a mess of very, very difficult uh, tire shredding, like sidewall cutting. Uh, I think there was a mix of, there was like shale and something else in there too. And it was crazy. Oh, and there's cactus off to the sides on either side too. Uh, so good luck going off the trail if you needed to. The uh, first 10 feet going down 20 feet of the trail, I probably I had to stop and I was like, really check and then i went about another 100 feet and i was like checking the map going this this says it's a biking trail so uh i'm not sure really what's going on and i eventually turned around after not very far maybe a quarter of a mile i don't even think it was a quarter of a mile i turned around and said well this obviously is a mistake if this is a biking trail this has got to be the hardest biking trail they've ever made and um, so anyway, I got on a, uh, got back on the gravel road and hiked up and that was really cool. Like pretending I'm riding a gravel race and I'm riding along having a good old time. And then, uh, let's see, went to the top and then started doing, it turned into a paved road after a while. And I started biking down the paved road back towards the campground and I was getting close to an hour in. So I thought I would try another trail. Oh, uh, because I need to be back for lunch. And I thought I'd try another trail and got on that. And it was exactly the same. And these are completely different trails, uh, name-wise, and parts of the park. So I biked down that. And it was maybe downhill at first. So I got up some confidence. And, then, uh, and by the way, if I haven't said so, if you're new to the show, I really, I have excellent bike handling skills. Really, really good bike handling skills. Um, not so much fancy tricks, but I can do tricks and I can, uh, you know, balance the place and do all kinds of stuff like that. I can ride, I can ride rollers, uh, no hands. Just to tell you like, like what good balance and control over the bike I, I can have. And I used to ride a fixie for like 50 something mile bike rides. So I know what I'm doing on a bike. I'm not terrible, but it's all about exposure and what you've done lately. You kind of forget how to do things. Um, or if you've done anything like, like this before. So now, I guess because I went downhill at first, now I'm like into this trail. And the trail's going to come out pretty soon on the map, which turns out pretty soon is still... A short distance is still brutally long. And I... Um, Now I'm committing because <laughs> I'm into this thing. It's almost because it was easier downhill. and and But I'm having to get off the bike and walk a lot to get around stuff. And I'm really having trouble. And then finally, after a while, I figured it out. And what you do, 
it's I was having to do it, it after I did this for a long time I had a mental a light bulb a moment of uh, enlightenment where I was like oh I go I need to use um, the brakes while applying pressure on the pedals at the same time like don't do like with a car one foot on the accelerator and then lift up the foot and then do the brake which is actually part of what you should do driving I think maybe race cars use both pedals at the same time race car drivers but instead I'm gonna get past all this there we go instead lift uh don't stop pedaling. Don't stop applying pressure on the pedals as you're as you put on the brakes, and then you ha- you have forward and backward control. And as you're going over and around things, and and, and things slide out from underneath you, you can um, push the bike one way or the other. Kind of, I guess you could lurk, pull it back. And the next thing I know. Well, that, that was really hard, right? So then I get back to the campground, and this is always a good thing about learning something is to take a break and then start over again a little while later. And I took a break, had lunch, and then around 2 o'clock, 2.30, lunch was settling, I went out and did it again. And I took different, I took the easy trail again to get kind of warmed up. And then I started taking um, difficult trails again. And I figured it out, and it made it awesome. And the thing, uh, flow, is where you're perfectly capable of doing the task. You have all the right tools to do the task. Like you're gonna build something and you have every single right tool and all the tools work and you're, you have the skills, and, um, but it's challenging. So like if I'm setting up a tent and the tent poles aren't connected, but they're all there, because that's what's going on in my tent right now, I'm very confident I know how to put up a tent, especially it's a tent that I own and I put up a lot of times. It's dark. And guys asking me, uh, hey, do you need help? So I'm like, no, I'm actually enjoying it. I'm enjoying the, the challenge. It's like doing a puzzle that you know you know how to do, right? And uh, it makes you feel good. It makes you feel, yeah, good about yourself, that you're smart because you're beating something that's kind of difficult. And the, the Zen flow of mountain biking, once you do the uh, Hans Ray, Danny McCaskill thing, where they're, they apply the brakes and the pedals at the same time. There's that, plus picking a line, plus avoiding sharp rocks, which were everywhere, um, and plus keeping up the right momentum, all at the same time was, it was like playing one of those band instruments where it's like six instruments strapped to a guy. <laughs> He's playing the drum with his foot, and the guitar with his hand and a harmonica and something else is going on uh, maybe with his elbows or something like that that's what it felt like but it's working it's making music and it was incredible it was so cool uh, I was so enthralled with uh, how this was all playing out and I, I was I became self-aware of this after a while uh, and then we got all done with the camp out came back and I went mountain biking on my mega loop uh, that takes me. I've been trying to break two hours on it, and well, trying to break my. I've broken two hours on it, but I want to do it faster. Um, I applied uh, this pedaling 
into turns with, uh, well, braking into turns, but not stopping pedaling at the same time. And uh, I, even after mountain biking, I think it was five hours or four hours, maybe, I don't know. I think it was like three and a half hours on super rugged, hard stuff on Saturday. Uh, on Sunday, I went and broke my PR without feeling like I was even trying because I was applying pressure on the pedals as I was going into turns uh, and braking. And it reminds me, there's a hub that is instant engagement, which would be very similar to this. Um, it doesn't have any slack in the pedals at all. So... We need, uh, I need to find those when I go into W to the ERK and I'll come back and tell you what it is. It's kind of expensive um, and it's silent. It's a, if you want to Google it, it's a silent hub. So uh, that's it. I'll be back. All right, I'm back. Meanwhile, I was uh, thinking about <clears throat> this ride and uh, one thing I just did was I tested uh, my air pressure when I was done. So it's right at about 30 PSI. And that's a little high, most people would think, for mountain biking nowadays. With uh, i got tubeless tires. And, oh, we got a little of a traffic situation up here. That's a little high for tubeless tires. Um, but also, I'm 200 pounds. And... Uh, the more you weigh, you need a little bit more air pressure or else you could pinch the rim. So that's why. And another interesting thing was I rode almost uh, effortlessly. Like I never really pushed hard. And that's uh, kind of interesting. How did I go faster without pushing hard? And that just goes to show how much of uh, mountain biking is technique, especially if you're going a really long distance. The uh, the main or long amount of time it was 17 something miles of mountain biking. The uh, how important uh, technique is for anything that you do because you can only put out so much energy, and after a while technique becomes uh, just as important or more important than uh, how much energy you actually put out. Just think of like aerodynamic efficiency or like swimming. You can put out a whole lot of energy and go nowhere <laughs> swimming. You can drown. Uh, it's all about technique actually. And uh, also <clears throat> making a note of you know your tire pressure and stuff like that. But a uh, really cool thing that also I did was last time I took this course I uh, took a wrong turn and ended up uh, way off on another uh, I kept going when I should have turned around and come back and so I ended up being late uh, to pick up Kai for practice and I ended up being exhausted and running out of water and everything and I was like I am not going to um, let this happen again it was bad enough or I wasn't going to let this happen again oh and by the way I think I mentioned it before I've, I've had my one time of uh, 
mountain bike, electronic mountain bike shifting uh, battery die. So now that'll probably never happen again. One time. <laughs> and uh, I took flagging with me. Flagging is the pink, green, yellow, whatever stuff, the ribbon type of stuff and uh, that you can tie around a tree to mark things. And I spent a little while on Strava looking at the map of my ride and trying to figure out comparing rides and trying to figure out where I turned around on the one ride that made it end up being right around two hours and what was the difference because I, I didn't I don't know where it happened I just knew all I knew was that I, I I hadn't turned yet and I'm late so something was up <clears throat> I missed my turn so I figured out where it was on the map and I accessed it and um, and as I passed it during my ride, the spot where I was supposed to pop out, as I passed it earlier in my ride uh, yesterday, I stopped, took the flagging out of my pocket, uh, took a whiz, and then uh, flagged the tree. And I flagged two trees in a row of where this is. Uh, where the actual turnoff is. And then when I was sitting there looking at it at the fork in the trail where I should have gone left and I went right, I uh, saw there's a big pile of sticks and small logs across the trail on the way I was supposed to go. And it's a tiny little exit out of the trail. I mean, it's tiny. It's a very short exit. It's a very wide path, short exit. And they had blocked it off. And I remember coming up on that and thinking, oh, well, I, must, I guess I'm supposed to go right last time when I screwed up. And I was like, yeah, you can't trust other people. Other people's, uh, maybe they were doing a route or something like that and they wanted to block it off for fun. Some other people that were riding out there to signal other riders that, you know, don't turn here. But it kept me from turning there and it screwed it all up. <laughs> and I was like, ah, that's why. So I pushed some of those logs aside and then uh, did the... Uh, uh, did the tree flagging and then when I came back around and uh, did it for uh, when I came upon it later in my ride it was very obvious that this is where I go I turn right here because of the flagging and the uh, logs that were now moved and let me make sure I've got enough room over here an interesting thing also was all these two hour rides uh, they, I looked at the uh, speed graph and all that stuff that Strava makes, and it actually includes me peeing <laughs> every time. All three rides that I've done that are recorded on this exact route are, um, they all have a pee break in them. And uh, I mean, it's two hours, you know? So, uh, and I stop, even though I stop my watch, I guess Strava keeps, if you're doing a segment, it keeps calculating the time spent, even if your watch isn't on, I guess. So you can't rest and then, and then, uh, go again and it counts, you know, the rest doesn't count, but you're all nice and fresh. So that would give you a fake results, artificially inflated results. So yeah, now I know that every, I could actually, I took, it took me like a minute to pee maybe and 
I've got an extra minute I could shave off that time, but that's only going to happen on a day where I don't feel like I need to pee, which is, uh, I doubt that's ever going to happen on a two hour bike ride. Um, maybe, maybe in the summer when it's hotter and then you start getting dehydrated and you don't feel like peeing. Anyway, that's it. I will be right back out. All right. We are back. Not in the car outside. Just finished a really nice run. And for those of y'all that don't live in Texas or in the deep southern, southern south, like Florida, <coughs> a little idea of what it's like here. <laughs> it's February 2nd or something. And I'm trying to get off this running belt. And February 2nd, and it's like 70 degrees, super humid because the water's coming off the, the wind is coming off the Gulf of Mexico, being pulled north, and it's all humid. So I was running with no shirt on, ran about six miles, about a 10 minute mile, really picked up towards the end as energy started flowing pretty good, as the previous meal started digesting. And I had something cool happen. Uh, I'm getting in the pool here, just up to my knees, freezing cold, because it is winter. It's an unheated pool. And letting my lower legs chill and then cooling me down. Mm. Drinking a recovery beer. Here, I'll tell you in a second what it was, what it is. It's a Belgian white. Who makes it? Blue Moon? That's pretty nice. Oh, and let's see, what was I gonna say? Oh, I was running and I had the AirPods Pro in with the noise cancellation and stuff. Uh, but I had the noise surrounding sound enhancement on, what I call traffic mode, running in traffic mode. I was jogging along on a trail. Uh, it's a concrete path that goes through uh, thick woods. And I'm jogging along and I hear somebody running behind me through my music or my pod. I think I was listening to a podcast. And I didn't hear, this is what was crazy. I didn't hear the uh, footsteps slamming into the ground. Uh, as the guy passed me, he was really light, small guy. Uh, looked like about 150, 140 pounds and was running probably like a eight minute mile, maybe faster. And what I was hearing was the grip of his shoes gripping, uh, the, the friction of his shoes gripping against the, the concrete, the rough concrete, pushing him forward. And that's a very light sound, you know? And that was being passed through the headphones. <laughs> to my um to my ears and man these things are really great at least for running so um let's see what else oh i got my uh ultra 2.0s i got the light blue ones the baby blue but they're they're a hard blue they're a hard baby blue with a gray sole i really like them I was about to wear them to work. I put them on and then realized these things are just too bright. I posted a picture of them on Instagram. 
uh, Zen Triathlon on Instagram, and um, I happen to be, uh, I threw on my work socks from yesterday to run in. Once you uh, do like really long distance trail running, you learn how to run in uh, socks that probably aren't ideal because they're full of grit and sand and gauze blisters. So you can pretty much run in anything, <laughs> running shoes full of broken glass. So cotton socks from yesterday uh, don't really bother me, but they're blue argyle. <laughs> so they match the shoes. It's actually pretty funny. I didn't realize it until I finished that that's probably why people were staring at me. And let's see, what else did we do? Oh, so the difference between the one 1.5s, that's the previous generation of Ultra Escalantes in the 2.0, is they firmed up the sole a little bit, which gives you a little bit more arch support, which I like. And then what else did they do? Oh, the uppers are less, are less flexy because what people find is if you start to roll over your foot, your foot keeps going because the upper is so soft. And so these uh, lock you in a little bit more. And they do. I like them. I like them a lot. All right. Time to get going. I got things to do. Be right back. Oh, hello. What are you doing? Come here, sir. All right, let's go ahead and wrap up the show. I'm going to leave you with uh, some thoughts about uh, things I discovered long ago uh, about training and a couple years ago as uh, training running surfaces and how they can cause injuries. So um, after the fact, I'm trying to figure out why I uh, got all these foot injuries, uh, we had... I figured it out and what happened was we were uh, we moved to a new same neighborhood we like our town but a bigger house and it's a new section of neighborhood and in the new section of neighborhood they had changed the way they build the streets instead of asphalt um, which gives lots of uh, varying surfaces and you can run if you run in the middle of the street at night late in a closed off neighborhood it's not closed off but you know uh, just a neighborhood with streets um, if you run in the street on an asphalt street uh, you can run in the middle of the street and it's generally kind of flat the center of the street's flat and then it curves off the slopes as you go towards the sides uh, but the asphalt kind of wears in and it gets little bumps and whatever but in general and if it's a quiet neighborhood, you can generally run, um, like I said, in Mill Street, especially if you're running at night, early in the morning. Uh, turns out it's a fantastic running surface because the very slight but constant changes in variability keep you from having one the other problem, which I'm about to tell you now which is in this new neighborhood, concrete slab streets. And not, not just that. So a constant slope. So the middle of the street was a peak. 
so beginning in the very middle of the street, both sides sloped off. So there wasn't a flat middle. And there wasn't, the asphalt doesn't, a concrete doesn't warp under pressure over time. It stays rigid or else it'll crack. And uh, the slope was a hard angle, constant. So you're either running hard slope to the left or hard slope to the right and nothing in between. And I noticed that when I moved out there. So, uh, but in the neighborhood, they also built concrete sidewalks, which also reminds me compared to asphalt, you know, concrete is harder. It's debatable about whether that really matters as much, but it does matter a little bit. You can, you can feel it, uh, just a tiny, tiny bit. Um, probably if you run really long distances, it really starts to happen. And so I'm running the, uh, sidewalk. Well, what happens is, uh, the sidewalk settles in and it slopes more to one side than the other. So if you're running, oh, and we, this section of the neighborhood, long, straight streets, like a grid pattern. And so the sidewalks turns out as they uh, settle in, they're not as wide, so they start to tilt to the left or to the right, just a tad, but long distances of severe tilt. <laughs> and it's almost, go to a neighborhood in a, in a town that has uh, concrete sidewalks that have been there for a while, and you will notice they are tilted, and they're tilted for long distances. So this was causing... Um, my uh, running uh, to be on a constant tilted slope and it was overworking uh, one side of my leg for a while and then to the other and um, after a couple years living over there and plus there was no trees it was a newer, newer neighborhood so there was no trees they were all stripped out and the houses were jammed in together it was very stressful living there compared to the old neighborhood, section of the neighborhood we lived in, where trees had grown in and the streets were asphalt and they were winding and the yards were just a little bit bigger. So it was very relaxing being in the old neighborhood. And the uh, one the one bit of concrete sidewalk was a trail that goes through the, the woods. And on purpose, they built the sidewalk so it kind of turns left and right. Like it kind of meanders a little bit. And um, I finally convinced Emily couple years ago we need to move back to the old neighborhood uh this new neighborhood sucked there was a whole lot more um going on where we were uh, our house backed up to a busy street our dogs were constantly barking at people there was how party house uh, going on um one street behind us with loud music and then our when our neighbors our house was new we built our house and then our neighbor's house popped up, you know, six inches from our house, it seemed like. So it was just stressful and not uh, cool. And so we found this other house in the in our old neighborhood that was bigger than our very first house, like we wanted, and it was a little bit bigger yard and um, trees grown in and nice and relaxed and it was on the asphalt streets. So the reason I bring this up, and I was, I was running this morning and I'm running in the old neighborhood section like I used to a long time ago when I was a very successful, uh, happy runner. Uh, at times running 100 miles per week once, uh, for a few weeks. I got up to that training for uh, a long-distance ultramarathon. Um, no injuries. And uh, this morning, as, as my speed picked up towards the end of the uh, run, 
myself running in the middle of the street and using the curves as embankments to turn because I was running that fast, you know, kind of like banking a little bit. It was just nice. It was so nice. And it made me remember about what actually happened uh, when I moved, when we moved to the new neighborhood. So it's a warning out there to you people that are great runners. If you run around a neighborhood and you're looking for a new neighbor, if you're moving and your plan is to run around your neighborhood, like a lot of people do, pay really close attention to the streets. And if they're concrete slabbed on a slope, um, if they're concrete sidewalks, uh, be careful. Maybe find a different neighborhood. <laughs> All right. That is uh, it for this podcast. Hope you enjoyed it. Uh, let's see. You can check out zentriathlon.com for more episodes and also i'm on twitter as zentrathlon on instagram as zentrathlon and i'm trying to remember if there's something else oh yeah uh if you like the content of this show and you want to help support the show you can go to zentrathlon.com and look on the sides and there is a link to paypal and you can help support the show uh one time or recurring uh donation and that's it how about that All right, Uh, coming up, future episodes, uh, more training and racing. I think Kai is going to try to beat my time at at the Millican Ranch, Uh, my uh, 17 and a half mile uh, loop. I did it in 158. He's already angry about that, (laughs) and he wants to beat it. So I was giving him tips on how to beat my time. by telling them, you know, it's broken up into sections as they built the mountain bike course. And I'm like, just take the time. We can look at my Strava and you can take the time I finished each section that I finished it and write that time on your arm or on your stem in, uh, with permanent marker, uh, stem on paper, uh, permanent marker on paper and then tape it to your stem. If that's what you want, FedEx package won't, uh, bleed ink. And just make sure you're ahead of those times by a little bit just a little bit just like a minute or so and once you're ahead you know ease back you don't have anything to prove uh, except you just want to all you need to do is beat my time by one second and now you're the champ don't escalate it too much and if it's two hours so if you go too hard uh, early on you'll blow up um and uh should be able to do it anyway that's one way like if you were trying to beat the world record uh one hour time on the track or somebody i don't know you're trying to beat somebody's one hour time on the track uh for an hour basically you just average how much you need to do each lap and if you all you need to do is get ahead by like 10 seconds over time (laughs) and then just hold that 10 second lead that's it and then that gives you time, like if you need to stop and tie your shoe or something like that, to uh, you're not, you won't lose a ton of time. Um, you don't want to go if something's long. You don't want to go out too hard, too early, or else you blow up. The whole point is efficiency. All right, that is it. Uh, see y'all next episode. I will be right back. All right, that's it. See y'all next episode. Work the uphills, cruise the downhills, and keep the rubber side down. Out.